Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashatino. And today, I wanted to talk about something that maybe isn't as much history right now, but it will be, and, uh, you know, in, in fact, it, it kind of is, because it happened the other day. I want to talk about the Champions League final, European football, or soccer as it's known, uh, in in some parts of the world, between uh, Manchester City and Chelsea Football Club, and uh, you know, full, in the efforts of full disclosure, which we always try and do here at uh, After School History, yours truly is a major supporter of Chelsea Football Club. Um, I have been for many years now, um, through thick and through thin, and uh, through the. Numerous managers that um, our owner, Roman Abramovich, has appointed. <clears throat> but yesterday was a very special day, uh, and it was a very special day not just because Chelsea won uh, what is their second European championship, uh, which does put them which does put them in kind of rarefied air. Um, there are not many clubs who have won, you know, two. There aren't very many clubs that have won one, much less two. Uh, but also because this year was really a, a year of trial and tribulations for Chelsea. Um, those of you who follow European football know what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't, I'll give you a little bit of the Reader's Digest version right here, as we are wont to do at After School History. So, <clears throat> first of all, uh, Chelsea started out the year for a second year under manager Frank Lampard, a legend in the club, a legend of legends in the club, and started out uh, decently enough, scoring a good number of goals, but also giving up a good number of goals. Um, and by January, we were ninth in the table on the, the Premier League, and we had finished qualifying through the group stages of the Champions League. And I'll never forget getting uh, multiple text messages. Now, those of you who follow my uh, podcast know that I, I, had, uh, I had surgery in January. Um, I had uh, open-heart surgery. They replaced the valve. The valve is doing well, and we'll get to the fact that I know it's doing well because of yesterday's events. But I woke up the morning, and I was in the, uh, the the cardio ICU, and all of a sudden I got multiple text messages, Lampard's been sacked, Lampard out, Lampard's fired. <clears throat> and I was really, I was shocked. I was shocked. I thought Lampard was doing a very good job with Chelsea. I understood that we were behind a little bit, but, you know, I've always said, and and those of you who have spoken with me about uh, football, I've always said that, you know, they they did get some high-profile guys. But, again, n- number one, the best of players from other leagues have problems adjusting right away to the Premier League. One of the only people I can think about off the top of my head, and, and again, if you have other players, feel free to, you know, comment on this. But, uh, you know, uh, Mohamed Salah who plays for Liverpool, he came over and immediately performed. He scored like 30 goals in the Premier League. Normally, that's not the case. I mean, you know, uh, Thierry Henry, 
who is a legend of legends, and you Arsenal fans know what I'm talking about, you know, he had a rough first year. A lot of guys have a rough first year. And I was like, listen, Werner's getting used to things, and Havertz, Havertz ended up having COVID when he came over in the beginning. Don't let's forget, this has been a very, very tense first year. With COVID, with no fans, with a lot of other stuff. So <clears throat> I said, you know, I, I thought Chelsea were playing decently enough. And, uh, and you know, Lampard, the first year he was here, there was the... Um, there was the um, uh, uh, transfer ban, and so he couldn't bring in anyone, which I thought was a great thing because up came guys like, you know, Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Billy Gilmore, Reese James, you know, academy graduates who all of a sudden were getting these starts because we couldn't buy anyone. And I was fine with that, but I've always been okay with taking a year where it's like, all right, we're going to finish, you know, even if we don't finish in European competition, I've always been okay with that. I mean, I, I'm not thrilled if we go more than a year without European competition. But if it means we can develop players, I'm okay with that. Because I look at things long term. We get a bunch of these guys starting to play on the top level. And this could become a dynasty. This could become a situation where we've got for the next, you know, eight years, a solid team that's going to be competing in Europe Every single year. But anyway, uh, the, the, the deal is, if you follow Chelsea, and even if you don't, if you follow football, you will know the following. Mr. Abramovich, all credit to him, he is not that kind of an owner. Um, managers either produce immediately or they get fired. I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable the way that, you know, guys, it's like, Oh, they won the Premier League six months later, fired. Um, <clears throat> so when Lampert got fired, I wasn't... I, I, I was surprised a little bit at the timing. I wasn't shocked. This is always something when you manage Chelsea. This is always something you have to be prepared for. And they brought in Thomas Tuchel, whom I knew from watching you know European football. I knew him uh, from before, and I was like, well... You know, at least guys like Havertz and, and Werner and Rudiger, you know, the German players on the team, they might relate to him a little bit more. And Tuchel did two things. Number one, he completely um, changed the defense and made Chelsea one of the top defensive clubs in uh, all of Europe, really, in his reign. And he also continued playing guys like Werner, even above guys like Abraham, which if you follow football again, you know, the, the current trend, it used to be back in the day, you know, the big thing was the four four two. I remember, oh God, it's got to be almost 20 years now when I started coaching football or soccer. You know, I wrote a book, you know, the, the coaching the flat back four four two, And it was based from an Italian uh, manager. I forget who it was, but... Um, you know, there was the idea. You had you had the, the four defenders, four midfielders, and the two forwards. And, and then things changed. And it went to, you know, an idea of having the striker, the center forward, the guy who would get all the goals for you, okay? Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it was... Uh, 
it, it, it became, you know, Josue Mourinho brought in uh, the 4-3-3, which exploited the gaps in midfield uh, of the 4-4-2. And you could play the 4-3-3. And again, all of these positions, uh, for those of you who, who follow the, the sport or coach the sport, you know, when, when you're talking about something like playing, you know, a, a, a four-man back, you're really talking about the fullbacks going forward, so you really got two guys back. If you're playing a three-man backfield, you know, you, you got three center backs, and you've got your, your quote, fullbacks or your wingers going forward and, and joining stuff. So it becomes, it's a very fluid scenario. Um, but the big deal was that <clears throat> Chelsea seemed to really react well to Tuchel. And a team that was ninth in the league all of a sudden was pushing for the top four. And they they had a couple of slip-ups towards the end. But the real thing was that in the Champions League, in the draw, they drew what I would consider the easier of the two um, sides. So, for example, they um, they ended up playing Porto. And then Real Madrid. Now, on the other side were Bayern Munich, PSG, Manchester City, uh, and Borussia Dortmund. You know what? With everything in life, it is a lot of skill. But there's also luck that plays a massive role in things. Okay? You get matched up against someone, and you can move. So with Chelsea... When I saw them draw Porto, I said, and this is no offense to Porto. Listen, Porto is a fantastic club, and and I have nothing but respect for them. But I was like, would I rather draw Porto or PSG or, or Bayern Munich or Manchester City? I was like, absolutely, you draw Porto, okay? Again, no offense, but they're not a better team. And then it became facing a Real Madrid club um, instead of Liverpool, and a Real Madrid club that were a shadow of what they were in the last 10 years. Usually Real Madrid, uh, you know, they go in and they're like, you know, uh, when when do we get to lift the trophy so that I can, you know, make arrangements so I'm not on vacation with my girlfriend at that point. And Chelsea beat Real Madrid, and then it came down to what a lot of people thought was going to happen, and that was the Chelsea... Manchester City final. Now, Manchester City are an outstanding team and have been for years. And when they brought Pep Guardiola in, who, I've got to be honest, you know, (laughs) I'm not saying anything anyone doesn't know. Probably the best manager in the world, um, except when he's not. But he's really, he's phenomenal. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I go online and look up stuff about him, the way he plays the game. And it's like he's playing on another level. He's managing on another level than most managers. And he's been wildly successful in his career. And so most people were like, you know, they were ready to inscribe the Champions League trophy with Manchester City, you know, 2021. Um, And people thought, well, you know what, Chelsea, yes, they've beat them. You know, the last three games they played, but they're not. Now Manchester City is going to put 
the A-team out. Who love it. You know, when a thing comes together. They're going to put out the team that's going to really just run roughshod over Chelsea. And Chelsea do not have the ability to fight them off. And that's one of these things where, you know, I had friends telling me, they're like, oh, what do you think about this? And I said, you know, what I think about this is there's an old saying, this is why we play the games. Okay? We play the games because, now, in a, if, if we were playing a two-game tie, and in the Champions League, in, in a lot of things, it's two games. You play one game home, one game away, and then there's an aggregate, and there's also away goals. And the bottom line is, I'll tell you right now, Okay, and I granted it's easy for me to say this, playing after the talking after the fact of the playing. I think if they had to play two matches in a row, there's a good enough chance City would have won. But they didn't. They played one game, one game for all the marbles, and Chelsea outplayed them, and Chelsea beat them. And before any of you come out there with, you know, well, you know, there was this, there was that. No, I'll tell you what. The score at the end ended up being one to nothing. Or, as the saying goes, zero, you know, nil to one. Manchester City being the home team. But Chelsea had more opportunities. I mean, Werner scores... The one goal early on, it's one nothing. Havertz scored his goal. Pulisic could have scored at least one goal. It could have been three to nothing. It could it, it could have easily been three to nothing. All right, it wasn't, and and City fought tooth and nail. But the bottom line is that I think that Pep and again, you know, people. I've had uh, friends of mine be like. Oh, if you, if you could meet up with Pep, you know, since you, you you like to talk a lot about football. If you met up with Pep, what would the discussion be like? And I always say there wouldn't be a discussion. It would be a monologue. If I met up with Pep, the only words coming from my mouth would be, you know, a good, good morning, good afternoon, Mr. Guardiola. How are you today? I'm doing great. Okay, and then I'd get my pad and and pen out, and I wouldn't utter another word, because you're talking about, you know, someone, you know, you're talking about, like, playing chess against Gary Kasparov, all right? You're talking about this, you know, here's a man who has forgotten more about the sport than I have any idea about. Right. I mean, I, I, I know the sport, and I do coach, you know, as those of you who listen to my podcast know. I do coach. I've coached teams, you know, and I, and I enjoy it. I have a, I have a lot of fun. I, I love it. And I'm constantly trying to learn. And, and the way you learn is by, you know, watching YouTube videos about Pep and the way he manages, you know, watching the way Jorgen Klopp manages, Watching the way that, you know, uh, Allegri manages, Conte manages, Mourinho manages their teams. But <clears throat> I have to say the following, you know, after all said and done, um, you know, I, I said before the match, I thought that the, Chelsea's odds of winning relied on the following. Number one. 
I thought that they could not be wasteful in front of goal. One of my best friends, uh, you know, is a is a and he's a huge Arsenal fan. But he was like, you know, Chelsea's problem is that they're wasteful in front of goal. And I said, yeah, you know what? And they can get away with it when you're playing Fulham, or when you're playing Newcastle. No offense to Fulham or Newcastle, but let's be honest. You know, you you can miss a goal or two there and still end up taking the match. Against Manchester City, you cannot be wasteful in front of goal. And Chelsea, they kind of were. They kind of were wasteful. I also said they can't make any mistakes. You make a mistake against Manchester City, they're going to score on you. That's the difference. And that's why, even though Chelsea won, I do feel that Manchester City are still the better team. I mean, not this year maybe, but overall they are the better team because every time I've watched City play... They punish teams. Teams make a mistake, they score. And I said, Chelsea don't do that. They miss opportunities, okay? They miss opportunities. Chelsea, in order to get to that next level, in order to get to the level where Europe is like, I don't want to play Chelsea FC in the Champions League, Chelsea have to actually convert on if not every one, the vast majority of their attempts. And so far, they're not doing that. They might. They might next year. I'm hopeful. I think I see a lot of positive things for next year. But I said that, and I said, you know, I predicted uh, fully. I said, you know, um, <clears throat> it's probably going to be a 60-40 as far as possession goes. And my father, whom I know, he doesn't listen to my podcast, but if he did... I would still say the same thing. And I love him. My father is one of these people who, there's an old saying that a little bit of knowledge is worse than no knowledge at all. My father has started really following soccer lately, following football lately. And he's gotten to the point where he he's starting to get a little bit of it. And then I, I was talking to him the other day after the, the final. And he was like, oh, you know, well, uh, your city outplayed Chelsea. And I was like, well, I mean, you know, that that's an opinion. Like, oh, no, 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 they They had much more possession. And I said, oh, they did, but that's because Chelsea weren't playing a possession game. I said, you know, they were playing a counterattacking game. That was their deal. And especially for the second half, they were even playing more defensively because they had the lead. Well, you know, you, know, you can't score goals if you don't play offense. And I said... No, you know, and he coached American football, gridiron football, uh, you know, for the better part of 40 years. This is not like that. It's not where your possession is the only thing that matters, okay? There are different ways to play. You can play a possession game, which City play, and which, again, if Chelsea had tried to play that game, a possession game against City, it probably would have blown up in their face. No question. But they played the counterattacking game, okay? And and it worked fantastically on a couple of occasions. You know, they ended up only with one goal, but they could have had more. They could have had more. And I was trying to explain that to him. And then, you know, I said, you know, the other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, the big criticism of Pep was the midfield. Now, when I've coached, I've always been a huge fan of overloading the midfield, I'm okay with one forward, you know, and a minimal number of defensive backs, as long as the midfield has the players. 
And, you know, again, I'm not... Listen, I'm not criticizing Pep. That would be stupid, okay? Again, the man has forgotten more about the sport than I will probably ever know in my life. No question. I just thought it was interesting that he didn't play some of his better players like Rodri in the midfield. He went for the attack. He went for an all-attacking force. Um, And then the problem is when it didn't work, there was nothing left. They didn't have the ability to to transform. You know, I, I thought from the beginning, if they had played a strong holding midfield position, they would have been able to control more of the game than they did. I mean, there's one thing about possession, and there's another thing about controlling the game. And, you know, with Chelsea... Uh, having, you know, who, if, if, if he doesn't go down as one of the greatest players of all time, Golo Kante, I don't know who does. He, I, I, you know, the, the problem is, we view the guys, who do we view as the, the heroes of the game? The goal scorers, the forwards, okay? We don't talk about the fact that Kante probably saved about you know, six different goal-scoring opportunities, not goals, goal-scoring opportunities, by intercepting the ball, by being where he needed to be, beating someone to the ball, reading the play the right way, okay, and getting it forward. He is ridiculously good. Uh, He might be the best player who's ever played at his position. He's definitely, without question, one of the best players in the world today. And he is proof, when I talk to my kids that I, you know, coach with soccer, that, you know what, you don't have to score goals to be one of the best players on the pitch. There's no question about that, okay? Uh, So, you know, with Chelsea, I mean, you know, I think that uh, Thomas Tuchel, really, in this particular game, he outmanaged Pep. I'm not making that a judgment call. I'm not saying Tuchel's the better manager, I'm saying Tuchel was the better manager yesterday. And he was the better manager in the previous two games that they won. But most importantly, it was the Champions League final. He was the better manager. He he held things out. And I know people will criticize, for example, with Rudiger's uh, you know, block on uh, De Bruyne. Um, do I feel that was intentional? No, I don't feel it was intentional that he was trying to hurt him. I think Rudiger stepped in front of him. I think he realized he could get a yellow card, but he wanted to stop De Bruyne. Now, sadly, and I say this with all sincerity because I think that De Bruyne is one of the best players in the world. Um <clears throat> Sadly, De Bruyne suffered the injuries he did. I think latest check it was he, he had a fractured eye socket and, and and a broken nose, and that's terrible. And I really want him to recover as soon as possible. I, I think watching him play is a joy. And again, I'm not a Manchester City fan, but you know you you can enjoy watching something, enjoy watching. You listen. I'm not an Aston Villa fan. But I'll watch Grealish play all day long. I, I despise Spurs. And I don't even like Son. But I'll watch him play because he's just, he's good. 
He's just good. Mohamed Salah, I, 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 I really do like him, even though I'm not a Liverpool fan and I don't really like Liverpool, but I'll watch Mohamed Salah, you know, play any day of the week. Okay? I mean, sadly, he, he was at one point on Chelsea, and I was excited when they took him from, I believe it was Basel, Oh, and when they took him, and I was like, man, I was like, because I knew about him from the Egyptian League and playing for Egypt. <clears throat> and then I was like, man, they're going to get this guy. He's really good. And then, you know, unfortunately, with uh, Mourinho in charge at the time, he didn't have a place, and he left. He went, I think it was uh, it was Roma, and then uh, he, he ended up going to uh, Liverpool, where he's proven himself as one of, one of the best players in Europe, to be honest. But um, you know, I, I think it was really it's it's just it was a phenomenal season for Chelsea. And the Champions League final was where Chelsea outplayed Manchester City. And, you know, you, I don't know that you can blame Guardiola for it. He came out with the best squad that he thought they had to beat Chelsea. And you know, again, you know, with that offensive squad. If City had scored two goals in the first 30 minutes and then ended up winning the game, let's say, 3-1, to one, everyone would be talking about what a genius Pep is. This is just confirmation of how he's the most genius coach in the history of genius coaching and genius and coaching, genius, genius coaching. But he lost. And so now it's all, oh, I don't know what type of a thing was this. You know, and that's, I, I hate that stuff because, you know, there were there were things, you know, what if in the 80, I'm sorry, in the 90, in the 95th minute, if Mahrez's, you know, shot would have been a little lower, what would have happened if Foden would have put a ball in the back of the net? You know, could have been a completely different match on, on the other flip side of the coin. What if Werner had connected on any of the, you know, two other chances he had? Although, again, you know, Werner, you know, everyone loves to hammer on Werner. And I won't do it. I won't do it because, you know, everyone wants to be like, well, how many goals has he scored? He hasn't. But And number one, I think that that will improve his second year. I do. I think he's getting used to the Premier League. I think next year Werner will score a bunch of goals. I think he will he will have well over 10 goals. Okay, well over 10 goals. Second, he's contributed to a lot of goals for Chelsea. And in the the game-winning goal, if you watch the replay, you'll watch Werner tear across the center and he draws the defensive backs out with him. Now, I I try and teach that to my kids when I'm coaching. You know, there's the temptation for more than one person to follow you if you make a run. When they made that when he made that run, he drew the defensive backs out. And Zinchenko was playing in a position he wasn't used to playing. The bottom line is that Havertz made that run and mount off of a phenomenal, phenomenal play by Chilwell. Mount came and made a pass, perfectly weighted, and then Havertz stepped over and scored the goal. That was, yes, you're going to look, everyone's going to look at, oh, Chilwell with a great touch to Mount. 
with a great pass to Havertz with a phenomenal finish. But the thing is, when you look deeper, and this is something that if you're ever going to coach, and I'm speaking to you that might think about coaching, when you look at it, Havertz pulled the entire middle defense out of their positions by his run. Does Havertz, does, I'm sorry, does Werner, does Werner get credit for that? No. He doesn't get an assist. He doesn't get a goal. In fact, most people, 90% of the people watching the match, don't even know that he was responsible. But, for those who do know, realize that he was instrumental in creating the opportunity for the goal. And with his playing into the back and his running after things, he has been a major force for Chelsea, okay, in getting some very critical goals this year. Now, next year, the hope is that he will go out there and get his own goals as well. And, I mean, if that happens, Chelsea will be in a very good spot. Very good spot. I don't know what's going to happen with Tammy. Um, I really like Tammy. I, I don't want to see him go out. But, you know, I mean, the bottom line is that you can't, you know, arguing with success is a losing battle. And the bottom line is that Tuchel has had success with Chelsea. And he's had success playing the players he's playing. So, I I, I don't know, you know, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. The bottom line is that Chelsea right now are in a very good position. They have a team that works very well together. They're playing an extremely solid defense, which, you know, in soccer, playing the defense means the world, okay? Uh, and they've got guys that are scoring some goals, n- not enough to win the, the, the league right now, but who could? Who could win the league if they start scoring more? I mean, if Werner scores another 10 goals and Havertz scores another 10 goals and Pulisic gets up to another 10 goals, I mean, that's going to be, it's going to be a blowout in the league. They will win the league. I don't have any question about that at all. And, you know, for City, horribly depressing because, you know, again, it's why we play the games, but they had, you know, they they were, as, to quote, to paraphrase the band Weezer with Pink Triangle, you know, they were good as champions in their mind, you know, so they were ready. And they, again, on paper, they probably were the better team. But we play the games because there's no way to tell who is the better team or not. And in one game, anyone can beat anyone. I mean, Chelsea, for crying out loud, got beat twice this year by West Brom. They scored eight goals, which was basically, you know, a third of their goal differential against Chelsea. And they got relegated. And Chelsea finished fourth and won the Champions League. So, you know, you don't know per game what's going to happen. That's all there is to it. You don't know. And that's, again, that's why we play the game. So, uh, the bottom line, though, is that Chelsea are champions of Europe. City reached their first final. They lost, but I'll tell you what. If you ask me right now, I would not be surprised if if they're back there next year. Um, they've got a ridiculously good team 
I know Aguero's going, but they still got a ridiculously good team. You know, Chelsea, though, Chelsea also have a very good team right now. You know, a lot of it depends on the luck. Again, as I said before, Chelsea got lucky with their draws, but you know what? That's just, that's the way that the, that's the way the thing, the cookie crumbles. You know, sometimes you end up getting, you know, placed in the group of death in the World Cup. Sometimes you end up getting placed in a group with, you know, uh, three other teams who people couldn't find on the map uh, if if you gave them the map of that region. So, <clears throat> that's, that's that. Uh, for my fellow football coaches, please watch your midfield. I always feel the midfield. When I coached, uh, you know, my boys, it was a... I, I ran a 3-4-1 because I wanted the midfield to be completely covered on all sides. And then, I, you know, I had the, the defense run up things where, like, you know, the, the, the you know, with the, with the midfield, the two guys in the center and the left would go. The left back would follow up and create a three-on-whatever situation. But it was very successful. It was for a while. Um, and, and, you know, just getting the ball forward to the one forward. And the center forward, and then you know what? Let him, let him work things because you know a lot of times, you know you don't have that many guys playing defense for them, and you can split the defense. Or even if you do, you know you can push guys up the side. You know and that's what Chelsea did. Uh, you know they had guys coming up the side the entire match and creating problems for City that they couldn't deal with. And I'm sure they tried to deal with it, but you know sometimes. Listen, I want to dunk a basketball. And I'm never going to be able to do that because I'm just not that tall. Uh, you know, you can want a lot of things. And, uh, you know, you don't always get that. So, anyway, that's my that's my take on Champions League. Um, you know, it was a phenomenal match. And if you're a Chelsea fan, if you're a Chelsea supporter, it was, uh, you know, one of these one of two times in your life, depending on how old you are, that you could remember Chelsea taking home the trophy. And we really hope that they will continue to do that. I mean, there's no reason to believe they can't, you know. Uh, but, again, I just want to stress the following before I go. You know what? People are very quick to determine who's going to win and who's not. And everyone was like, no, you know what? This is city. City, 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 city. Well, you know, that's why we play the games. We play the games because nobody is guaranteed anything, okay? If you want the win, you go out and take it. You go out and you score. You block goals afterwards. Um, Chelsea did, City doesn't. So that's really all there is to it. Anyway, for the rest of you uh, listening to me here who have stayed with me, um, I wish you a very happy rest, uh, a, a very somber rest of your Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow, Memorial Day in the United States, you know, everyone... Uh, you know, I said happy because I fall into that category where people are just like, oh, have a happy weekend. Uh, but the reality is that it's Memorial Day, and Memorial Day in the United States is a day to remember all the people who died um, in, in the military service of the United States. And so it's not really happy, okay? It's more of a kind of you know, like a, a somber reflection on, listen, you know, uh, have have a, you know, a thoughtful day. Maybe that's the right term, have a thoughtful Memorial Day weekend. 
Um, but if you are in the United States and you're celebrating Memorial Day, and you know, I, I know here in the Northeast, it's all about, you know, you know, we're having barbecue and, you know, barbecue and beers, as people would say, but it's raining, so you might not even have that. But you know what? Take a minute or two and think about all the lives that have been sacrificed over the last few hundred years uh, for this country. And, you know, not saying don't have your barbecue and beer, but at the same time, think about that. Um, and think about the people that volunteered to do it, that said, yes, I will go and serve the country, and that never came back, or came back in a disfigured form. So that's really what it's all about. I, I'm not trying to end this on a downer, I'm really not. But that's what it's all about. All right, we will have another episode out fairly soon. For the rest of you, I wish a happy, healthy, and safe week ahead of us. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.